Hey everyone, welcome back to the Seeking Refuge podcast. And I uh, got an uh, exciting Bible study to do this evening. Uh, we've been in this second season of the podcast uh, going over fundamental Bible doctrines, uh, basically the foundational beliefs to the Christian faith and practice. And we've been over some pretty, pr- pretty, pretty serious topics. We've talked about sin. Uh, we've talked about the resurrection of Christ. We've talked about repentance inspiration and preservation of the bible justification by faith now we've got a few more to go before we wrap this season up we're going to be talking about the virgin birth of christ at some point uh the blood of christ as well and the sacrifice of christ all those things are uh incredibly fundamental to the christian beliefs Um, but but tonight this evening i want to kind of venture into a topic that's uh you know, kind of puts people on the edge of their seat a little bit, but I'm not afraid to talk about it and give my perspective on things. We're going to talk about the tribulation this evening. We're going to be in uh, the book of Revelation. You can go ahead and turn to Revelation in your Bible. We'll be looking at chapter 6 and chapter 7. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different, uh, different interpretations, I guess you should say, or different perspectives on... Uh, the tribulation and its uh, relationship uh, to the church. So um, most Christians actually fall into a belief called uh, the premillennial um, belief, which basically means that uh, we believe that that there's going to be a rapture of the church before the millennial reign of Christ. At some point, I'll teach on the millennial reign of Christ. Um, and, and so the thing is, is (laughs) there seems to be a lot of contention as to when the rapture of the church occurs. I've heard people say, well, the word rapture is not really in the Bible. It it actually kind of is. You have to remember that the old Testament is written in Hebrew. The new Testament is written in Greek. And what we have is the English translation. And, uh, the Bible is very clear that believers will be caught up is the term that's used, C-A-U-G-H-T, caught, like, like caught in a net, up. To, and those two words in English are separated, but in, in, in Greek it's rapturo, and it's um, that's actually where we get the word rapture from, and so that's what it's referring to. So uh, I believe it's very clear in the epistles, especially with the revelations given to Paul, that the Bible teaches that there's going to be a supernatural event um, involving those who believe in Christ being caught up. Those that are alive and remain will be caught up with them to meet with him in the clouds. So uh, let's just look at it this way. A lot of people are confused about when this is going to take place. There's three main viewpoints that are pretty, pretty much the ones that are taught in churches today, is that the church will be raptured before the tribulation. Some believe that the church will be raptured in the middle of the tribulation, and some believe that the church will be raptured at the end of the tribulation. But all, uh, but all three of those maintain that the church is raptured before, um, before the return of Christ for the millennial reign. Then there's um, the other viewpoint is amillennialism. That amillennial Christians do not believe that there will be a rapture of the church 
um, before the, the basically the second coming of Christ and the rapture of the church are kind of simultaneous events. And so uh, basically with this Bible study tonight, I want to point a couple things out just as I see them. I'm going to share some things in scripture. I'm going to give you some things to think about, but I'm not going to tell you how you're supposed to think about it. I'm not going to tell you what's right and what's wrong. I believe the Holy Spirit can be the guide on these events, but but I think it's important to uh, to keep this in mind. The church was a mystery body, and the revelations uh, of the things concerning the church were kept mystery since before the world began. This is all Bible, okay? And think about the fact that Israel had no ability to understand the things that pertain to the mystery concerning the body of Christ. Um, if they had been able to understand it, they would have never crucified Jesus to begin with. Um, so, there was Israel that was blinded to the things concerning the mystery. And it's important we understand that the tribulation um, is actually... Uh, Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 it's the time of Jacob's trouble uh, it's given to Israel uh, we find the mentionings of it in Daniel the book of Daniel says quite a bit about it and I'm not going to be able to go too extensively into all of it but um, prophecy concerns the tribulation and prophecy is given to Israel the church was given mystery Israel was given prophecy. Israel cannot understand mystery. And because prophecy is only typically understood after its full fulfillment. Um, and people understand it in hindsight. Because we're dealing with events that have not yet happened yet. Uh, these, these events have not come to pass. There's a limited understanding. We're looking through the glass darkly, as the Bible puts it. We don't have the full knowledge of what's about to take place. So all the contentions and arguing back and forth about this and that is really vain and serves no purpose. Um, you know, I'm going to share some things tonight that I believe, just through my own Bible studies, are valid points to make. Whether you accept those points as true or not, it's up to you. I do not believe they're far-fetched or out there. I'm just sharing some things about the tribulation. I think the Bible tells us very clearly there's going to be a tribulation. If you're looking at the world that we're living in today, Christian believers really need to be on guard. We really need to be prepared. We really need to be thinking about the fact that Jesus is going to return. And I believe we've become very complacent because the church has waited so long for the return of Christ and for the rapture that people are... Just not paying attention, they're not being prayerful, and they're not being watchful, and uh, we need to open our eyes, we need to look around, we need to realize what's coming, And uh, but you know, the thing is, is I think that we have limited understanding in what's to come, and we have the Bible, and I think we should use it and learn it, and um, I think we should use the tools that are in it in order to keep our anticipation high. That Christ is not going to leave us in this messed up world. He is coming back for us, for his church. And uh, we need to hold to that and we need to not waver in the faith. We need to 
But this is the meat of the word. This is the difficult stuff, and we need to we need to know this stuff too. And it is a fundamental Christian doctrine. So I want to share it tonight. So we'll be in Revelation chapter six. We'll be in Revelation chapter seven a little bit, and uh, just want to welcome everyone back. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Thank you for everyone that listens faithfully as well. It's a huge encouragement to me. I hope it's a blessing to you. And uh, you know, we I put this together. Just to start a Bible study, and I enjoy studying the Bible. And um, so here's the Seeking Refuge podcast. This is where we come together and seek refuge from the world in God's unchanging word. Remember Psalm chapter 91, verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Let us pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to do another podcast and for everyone that listens in. And for the topic that we'll be going over tonight, Lord. And uh, God, I ask that you help me. Give me the words, Lord. We're venturing into uh, pretty heavy stuff, Lord. We're talking about the tribulation. Things that we don't know much about yet. Things that you know everything about, Lord. So just give me wisdom. And um, I don't want to misspeak. I don't want to teach anything wrong. I certainly don't want to teach anything that would be heretical. I just want you to guide my words, Lord, and uh, you know everybody that gets into this. God, it is takes it seriously. We just want to know what you want us to know, and not venture in with our imaginations on other things. But Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us the weapons that we need to fight the good fight of faith in these perilous times. Lord, we need you. We love you. We thank you. We ask that you bless this Bible study tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright folks, let's start Revelation chapter 6. I'll start in verse 1. And it reads, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. I is John. He's the one writing the book of Revelation as he's being given these visions from the Lord Jesus. And uh, so here he is. He says, And I saw when the Lamb, the Lamb is Jesus, opened one of the seals. And I heard as it were the noise of thunder one of the four beasts saying, come and see. So there's a scene that is gathered around heaven and there's four beasts there. And, um, there's, there's also four and 20 elders. It's in a previous chapter. There's a lot of worship and adoration going on around the throne of God. And, uh, there is the, the seven sealed book. And, um, so the thing about it is you've got the, uh, You've got the seals on the book that no man could open, and only Christ could. And so the Lamb came forth, and so he has the book. And so there's this worshiping, and uh, you'll hear oftentimes in Revelation the voices of the angelic beings. And this, uh, they they all have you know their voices sound as thunder and things like that. And and if you've ever heard, I don't know, like we think about thunder like off in the distance, but if you've ever been like smack in the middle of a very severe thunderstorm where the thunder is just violent and loud and it's all you can hear it is actually unsettling and it, and it 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 brings a fearfulness to you because you're understanding that in that event that storm or that weather that is something that has more power than you do you have no control over its strength or what it does i mean when a tornado touches down who can change its direction who can make it go a different way who can cause it to, to, to not hit a house or whatever? 
the so the thing about it is it's it's basically to me I'm looking at this and I'm thinking you know when you're talking about the instructions in this time period being given by God you know the 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 voice of thundering there's power behind it and there's fearfulness of it because what's being done cannot be reversed when this tribulation period comes it, it cannot be held back it's an appointment that's been given through prophecy by God and it's for Israel to repent and accept Christ we'll see a picture of Gentiles during this time getting saved um, and there's a lot of debates about that I'll give you my two cents when we get to it um, it, it's just it's just amazing things that are happening on earth but it's all pertaining to Israel and maybe some surrounding nations that had gathered uh, initially um, in unbelief and have gathered around to wage war against Israel. But then things that were preached, things that were being, um, things that they were seeing, things that they were witnessing caused a repentance to take place. But anyway, so here's these beasts telling John, come and see. And so... The seals opened, and what does John see? And I saw, this is verse 2, And behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering, and to conquer. Now I want to point this out to you. This is a glimpse of the coming of the Antichrist onto the scene of the world populace. Um, he's riding a white horse. Christ is also seen coming uh, like on a white horse. It's a he's a knockoff of Christ. He's come to deceive people into thinking that he is Christ. And so listen to this. And he that sat on him had a bow. The Antichrist comes with a bow. Christ is going to come with a sword. And it says this. And a crown was given unto him. So when he first came, he was not crowned. Um. Jesus is wearing the crown. Amen. But when this Antichrist first comes on the scene, he's not crowned yet. He's come forth, it says, conquering and to conquer. So he's going to have power, but he's coming forth to conquer. There's a good possibility the Antichrist is amongst us today, but he has not been revealed yet. He has not been crowned yet. Uh, he has not conquered yet. Um, and so there, but, but this is a glimpse that the Antichrist has come onto the scene. Now look at the second seal, uh, verse 3, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. So now you have a red horse, that represents the war, the war horse. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. A great sword, but not the sword, the word of God that Christ has. Um, it, it This points to a couple things. Red can mean a lot of things. It could point to a lot of countries, personally. I mean, think China. Their color is pretty much red. Um, they're pretty powerful. They certainly stand in a political position to take peace from the earth. I mean, COVID-19 practically took peace from the earth. And that was a biological weapon that they used to do that. Um I know I probably could just have offended people by saying that, but let's face the facts. The facts are there. Stuff that I've been saying for a year, they're now finding out, hey, maybe that wasn't so far-fetched. Soon as COVID started, I said it was a Chinese lab from their communist 
sector from their biological warfare campaign. You know, they can spin it off like they were trying to build vaccines before these outbreaks happened, whatever. I, I don't know, you know, they're, but what we know is that it came from China. All right, so anyway, red could mean China. That's all I'm saying. Power was given to, to this world leader to take peace from earth. So you have peace taken from the earth. You have all the, the wars. Jesus said wars and rumors of wars. And uh, it just seems like more people hate each other today than ever before. Um, so it, it says right here that they should kill one another. Every murder rate in, in, in the country is, is at an all-time high. I mean, you know, Columbus, Ohio is getting the same murder rate that um, Los Angeles and Chicago used to get. And it seems like we're breaking new numbers every year. People are just killing one another off. Um, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. The third seal. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and a lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand to scale out. Um, you know, the scales. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny. And three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. I mean, look at the inflation we've seen just recently in the last few months. Um, I'm telling you that we're seeing the famine begin because food is becoming unaffordable. And also, um, as people are not going to work to continue the supply chain and the accessibility of food and nutrition you're going to see famine break out i mean if it's hard for americans to get food on the table what do you think it's going to be like in india in places in africa um you know they are last on the list uh and socialism i mean you look at you look at countries that have been demolished by socialism and communism i mean people stand in line for bread and water could we see that soon in America? I certainly hope not, but it seems like it's a possibility. But uh, but there you have it. So you've got these first three seals. What do you have? You've got a world leader coming onto the scene. You've got peace taken from the earth. You've got famine. Now what follows the famine? Look at verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with beasts of the earth. Uh, I mean, wow, that's so some of the things from the first, uh, from the second and the third seal has, has now taken its toll and begun killing many people on earth so we got the sword and we've got hunger uh, but it says and with death and doesn't really give too many specifics with that so that can also probably uh that can also probably incorporate disease when people are malnourished they're not healthy and when sanitation standards aren't kept people can become sick very easily we know jesus said there'd be pestilences we've certainly seen that recently uh so we know uh, that that's certainly a possibility. It's especially a possibility when you have um, mad scientists in laboratories playing around with experiments like gain-of-function experimentation 
where they take viruses and they intensify them and they make them pathogenic to humans so that they can go from animal to human spread and human to human spread and they do it on purpose so that they can try to make vaccines or stuff ahead of time uh that's definitely you know the kind of stuff they made movies and video game plots out of when i was growing up and now they're doing it in real life and and look how many people have died in the last 18 months as a result and that's playing around with flu viruses and bats imagine when they start playing around with more serious stuff um hello let's wake up people this is seriously, seriously a destructive path that we're on. And uh, you know what? There's a pale horse. And uh, death, in this sense, is a physical person. It says, and his name that sat on him was death. That, I mean, that is an actual person riding the horse. And hell followed him. Uh, and that just shows you that death is going to sweep across the world during this tribulation. And, uh, I mean, people are going to be falling to all of these things that are happening and hell is just swallowing them up because we are living in a world that's rejecting God and people don't know Christ and people don't want to know Christ. And it just seems like the world is pushing God away. It's such a more fierce, more angry towards religion and faith and, and the persecution intensifies because people hate God. So in verse eight, you're seeing the effects of that. And then in verse 9, we're going to go into the persecuted church, the persecuted saints. Why? Because the people of the earth who are now dying and being thrown into hell during a tribulation period have rejected Christ and God, but they've also persecuted the saints. Look at verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Now you have this sixth seal, seal coming. And... So the fifth one is you see a martyred remnant. Um, you see a martyred. Um, mar it, it would it would actually be any any group of people that have been martyred for God uh, would also include Old Testament times. So it would include Jewish martyrs as well as Christian martyrs. Um, when you think about all of the apostles that were um, executed for their testimonies and things like that, so. It would be the, the totality of all people that had been executed for um, the Judaic beliefs or the Christian beliefs, okay? And so, a lot of people. Um, then we go into the sixth seal in verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became his blood and the stars of heaven fell into the earth even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains 
and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Um, that is just amazing. So, we have natural disaster. You know, this is basically anarchy's broken loose. Um, all of the governmental structures have, are, are collapsing. Okay, you've got the natural disaster on top of everything else. You know, it's like the last time that we needed massive earthquakes. But then we have the astro these astro um, the astrological or astronomical events that are taking place when you talk about uh, the sun being blackened, the moon being like blood, stars falling from heaven. I mean. You know, we don't really know what that's going to look like yet. I mean, we don't really have the, we don't have a way of saying, oh yeah, that's how that's going to go. We just don't know yet. But the Bible says it's going to happen. Um, we see the scroll being rolled down. Um, we see mountains and islands moving out of their places. So this is, this is heaven meeting earth with violent force. Um, and... The people of earth are fleeing and they're basically proclaiming now we believe that the wrath of God is falling on mankind. So a lot of the people that have, are rejecting it now are like, oh, now this great day that they warned us about has come. Who shall be able to stand? They're also hiding and begging to die and they're not able to die. And I think it's important to point out too that it's too late for them <laughs> uh, if you've heard the gospel and you've refused to repent and believe on Christ when the tribulation comes it's too late for you you had an opportunity to repent um, so here we go into chapter 7 so my take on this this first six so this is, these are the seals being broken off of that sealed book and every seal that's broken off is bringing judgment on earth. And yet, this is not yet the tribulation. So in chapter 6 is the is like the, the birth pains. It's the contractions. It's everything that's immediately shifting the world. It's the world is being thrust violently into the tribulation period. I believe we are living right now in chapter 6. Um, we're, this is the beginning of the full manifestation of this chapter. I believe that we're seeing all of these things taking place already. And that they're going to do nothing but intensify as time goes on. And at some point, this great forceful impact between heaven and earth is going to take place, those last few verses of the chapter, and we're going to get thrust into the tribulation period. Now, I want to point something out to you, and it's very important. This is me and my interpretations of the book of Revelation. It is not in chronological order. I believe that the church is raptured in the first part of Revelation chapter 4. But I do not believe because of that, 
is in Revelation chapter 4 that we can't currently be seeing events taking place right now in Revelation chapter 6. In other words, just because 6 is a later number in chronological order than 4 does not mean that just because the church is raptured in Revelation chapter 4 that events from Revelation chapter 6 can't happen before that event occurs. I hope that makes sense that I'm not confusing you. You may have to rewind it, replay what I just said a couple times. It's not in chronological order. There's proof of that all through Revelation. But Revelation chapter 4 in the first couple verse verses, um, it's very much a door's opened in heaven, there was a voice heard, which was like a trumpet, saying, come up hither. These are all, uh, it, it all looks to the fulfillment of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 through 17. Um, and also, the word church is does not occur after that chapter, okay? Um, so, take that how you will. But I believe we're seeing... Things from Revelation chapter 6 already. I believe those things will intensify. And once the church is raptured, you know, again, there is a major impact between heaven and earth which thrusts the world into the tribulation period, which we can really begin at chapter 7. So I'm making my statement here. Chapter 7 really does start to begin to show us the actual tribulation period. And so we'll start with verse 1. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Now I don't know about you, but it's been hot the last week, and it's been humid, and could you imagine if it's hot and humid with a little bit of a breeze? how stagnant and how miserable it would be for there to be no wind on the entire earth. Uh, wow, that's a very unpleasant thought. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads now it's very clear what happens here in verses four uh through eight all right 144,000 people got sealed as servants for god for the tribulation period and it says that they're all out of israel because the tribulation's for israel but they're all out of israel they're all sealed from all the 12 tribes it says who they are there's no mystery behind it so, don't listen to the Jehovah Witnesses, okay? Tells you in the Bible who they are. We'll keep moving. Verse 9. Uh, in this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and, and palms in their hands, cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and upon the Lamb, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders, and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God. Here we go. The tribulation's beginning, and there's 
worshiping going on around the throne of God. Now, there's some things that get said here that confuses some people. So here they are. They're worshiping God. They're in heaven as the tribulation's beginning. Saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto them, Sir, thou knowest. John was asked by one of the elders. And he's and John's basically doing the smart thing. He's like, no, no, no. You know. I don't know. You know. Um. So anyway, he said unto John, he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, this verse is um, used in a lot of different ways. I'm going to give you a couple of things to think about. I'm not telling you what's right and what's wrong. God can do that. But I want to point a couple things out. One, um, the phrasing... These are they which came out of great tribulation. To me, could be interpreted to say that those who have gotten saved have already been delivered out of this tribulation period. That's why you're already looking at them worshiping God in heaven. Um, they've came out of in the sense of because they got saved, they're righteous, they've been brought out of it, they came out of it, they don't have to go through it, they don't have to deal with it. That's one way of looking at it. Another one would be, if you were to take this as a forward vision, in other words, it's a vision of something that's going to take place later in the, in the, in, in the tribulation period, but has not yet occurred. Um... Which, again, you're, we're not in chronological order, so it could be um, nations that had gathered around Jerusalem. And there could have been people that heard the gospel and repented and believed. However, the Bible is very clear in the tribulation period that if that did occur, then it cost them their life. Now... Um, so I, I wouldn't I would say that it could be both for that matter. And the reason is is because we have come out of great tribulation if we're if we're saved today. We've been delivered from it. We won't have to see it. We won't have to go through it. But also in the area of Jerusalem during the tribulation, you're we will see if you study this out, you will see witnesses preaching the everlasting gospel. You'll see the repentance of the Jews, a restoration of Israel, things taking place like that. And remember that the valley outside of, outside of Jerusalem is going to be the staging ground for the Battle of Armageddon. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, majority of the earth will already be killed by then, but you, you're going to have mainly Arab nations, predominantly Islamic nations. You're going to have people where to repent, to hear the gospel and repent, it will cost them their life. You're all, you could already be killed in places of the Middle East for believing in Jesus. So that's my take on it. Those are two possible people groups that this could target. 
where did they come from? I mean, that's I'm just giving you some things to think about. Uh, what we know is this. In this chapter, in verse 15, therefore are they before the throne of God. That's where they're at. They serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And so, any way you look at it, the tribulation is getting ready to take place on earth. And here they are. They are um, in heaven around the throne. I tell you what, I'm glad today I can say I'm saved. I know I'm going to be around the throne of God in heaven with Jesus when the tribulation is breaking out on earth. I hope you can say the same thing. Uh, and it says this, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. So, I'm not going to go any further with it today. I just point out to you that uh, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're delivered from tribulation. Uh, we know it's going. We know the tribulation is going to affect the whole earth. Uh, we know it's a time of Jacob's trouble. It's appointed to Israel. The vortex of it is in Jerusalem, the Holy Land. It involves. A people of God. It involves the returning of people to Palestine. Um, I'll probably do more on this in the future. Uh, we'll get into the time frames of seven years. The first three and a half and the second three and a half. Um, but we know that the elements of the tribulation are these. I'll give you these and we'll close. Uh, during the tribulation we'll see a, a, an evil, evil, brutal dictator. Um... He's going to make a covenant with the Jewish people. We're already seeing right now, as of today, a new government being structured in Israel. Could that be the government that puts in power this dictator who will then cause a peace treaty to occur only to break the covenant halfway through the tribulation period? Something to think about. We need to be prepared I believe we're really living in the last minutes um, before the return of Christ. Um, we know that this ruler, we'll see him later in Revelation, he will demand to be worshipped as God, just like Nebuchadnezzar did. Uh, you're also going to see the active activity of Satan with his great wrath. And then Satan gives power to the Antichrist and to a false prophet and uh, just an unprecedented amount of demonic activity and then judgments being poured out on earth. Um, it's just amazing. And as all that terrible stuff is happening, what you also see an election out of Israel sealed for God. You see multitudes of Gentiles around the throne. You have people coming out of great tribulation. Um and then what happens at the end of the tribulation, a final war where Christ returns with his, with his armies from heaven and he conquers his enemies and he sets up his millennial kingdom. And, and that's kind of the, the basic gist of the Christian belief on the tribulation. Um, so my personal position, the church is raptured, the tribulation begins... At the end of the tribulation, Christ returns, 
he gets victory and then the millennial kingdom and the church and the and the uh, regrafted Israel get to be a part of that. So just an amazing thing to anticipate. This world's falling apart, but God is sovereign and he's on the throne. I hope you enjoyed the Bible study on the tribulation this evening. Tune back in with me next time. I, I don't think we'll be on this topic again. I was just kind of throwing this one in there. But join with join in the next time. Next week we'll come back and we'll do another exciting Bible study. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight on the Seeking Refuge podcast. It really is a blessing to have everyone studying the Bible with me. And I have a great time doing these Bible studies with you. I hope you enjoy. We'll see you next time on the Seeking Refuge podcast.